Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. But the real reason I wasn't here on Wednesday is because I had a major bout of discouragement on Wednesday afternoon. I had this attack on my mind and on my soul, and I just sort of went down into a pit of discouragement. It was so bad that I couldn't come to do MC Live. So, and I'm very grateful that uh, Angela and Beth were able to do it. And, you know, I had to pray that night up to, you know, early hours of the morning to just get out of that. I was like, I cannot let this take me down. So, so it was so bad. You know, when you're so, and you can't explain what the source is. It's like little, little things which have piled up to a point and then the balloon bursts and you can't put the air back into the balloon. So <laughs> that, that's what was happening. And then, uh, so I was like, I tried to sleep, I couldn't sleep it off. So later in the night, I tried to go to bed, couldn't sleep, so I said, okay, what? This is, this is a fight. So I got my chair and put, took it outside the house and put on music in my earphones and started praying to be able to get out of that. Because I knew that if I entertained it for another day or three, then it would have taken hold on me. So, I, why, why am I telling you that story? I tell you that story to tell you that the people you, f you like, you follow, who are your models and mentors, uh, that you think they have everything together, they too have moments of suffering, they too have moments of doubt, they too have serious moments of, you know, uh, when things are not going the way they think they should go, and I've talked to all your leaders, I have conversations with them, and I know that different people go through different dips. And so I really want to start this morning by talking to those who have gone through that or are going through that and telling you, do not quit, do not give up, do not take the tablet, okay. <laughs> who knows what people can do in that time. Don't, don't pick up that bottle, Leave it alone, it is well, Jesus is with you. The problem is many of us have interpreted the, the existence of challenges to mean the absence of God. And that is not true. That's why the psalmist says, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what does he say? You are with me. So in your deepest pit, because I know this lockdown may have done things to some of you, whether relationally, economically, or emotionally. In your deepest pit, what does it say? You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So you will not finish in the valley in the name of Jesus. You will not finish in the valley. You will go through it. It came to pass. The reason it came is that it may pass. You know, 
I, I think that I'm relatively mature enough in the word to think that I did not just casually allow myself into that position. But there are people who are listening to me, you're going through a lot of stuff. You've lost a lot economically, relationally, emotionally. And maybe you, all you want to do is, some of you are watching me from your bed. Like, you even stopped getting out of bed. You only get out of bed to go to the bathroom or to pick the next snack from the kitchen. And you've just quit. And I'm here to tell you, it's time to get out. Don't let the devil keep you there. Amen? So, sufferings. Paul writes and says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. This verse is so packed that when I was developing my notes yesterday, I realized this should have been the sermon all by itself. But then we'll never finish Colossians if we keep preaching a sermon out of a verse, which we can very well do. But, but something about suffering, something about suffering, suffering. Hmm? This is a joke, and this is a bad joke. So please take it as a bad joke. Bad joke. Yeah. This is not true. It's not true. So it's a joke, okay? Uh, I'm told uh, uh, usually when people fall in love, they first get an engagement ring, okay? Then afterward, they get the wedding or marriage ring. And then the third ring they get is the Safa ring. <laughs> I told you it's a joke and it's a bad one. So, I'm not... <laughs> They said that the battle between the sexes will never be won. Why? There is too much fraternizing with the enemy. So, uh, (laughs) it doesn't matter how much I tell you about that ring. Some of you are still walking down the aisle and you're taking the wrong walk to freedom because you've been wired to need it. So, please. So, some of you, uh, you may not be, uh, anyway. Yeah, you may be wearing that ring. <laughs> but, but let's but let's talk about suffering. Okay? So I find that in the body of Christ there are two extreme approaches to suffering. Okay? Depending on where you got saved and where you go to church, you're going to be given two approaches, extremes. And usually the truth is not in the extremes. If the truth was in the extremes, you'd either drive on one extreme side of the road to go home or one extreme side of the road to go home. And you know you will never get home if you go to the extreme. How do you get home? By keeping your car right in the middle. So one extreme approach to suffering is this. Come to Christ and you will never suffer. Come to Jesus! You will never suffer. Come to Jesus. And then we preachers, we make it really bad because we don't give the kind of stories that I've told you. When you read all preachers' books and you you listen to preachers, they only tell the side of their lives that is spruced up and with makeup on and on TV. You really don't know what goes on. I like to tell people the Pope doesn't sleep in those ropes. So, so, we, 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 we start presenting the gospel 
in a way that makes you listeners think that mm, if I get the God that Mose has, the God of my spiritual father, Mose, I am going to have what he has. And you think that what I have excludes any kind of suffering. You don't want what I have. Let me repeat that for emphasis. You, Timothy, do not want my life. You don't want my life. You don't want my life. You don't want my life. Because it comes with lots of blessings and lots of responsibility and lots of weights to carry. So never look at someone and you want their life. You can learn from them and desire to be able to do certain things they do well, but your life is yours. There's only one you, one authentic you. Like, like, like Stephen Fatick said, God cannot bless who you pretend to be. He can't bless who you pretend to be. So one extreme view or approach to suffering is when you come to Jesus, you will never suffer. And then you came to Jesus. Oh, and they sang just as I am. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. You lined up at the front. The preacher said the prayer. You believed it, you received it, you went home, and guess what? The problem were still there. The husband was still misbehaving. The wife was still having an attitude. The kids were still not doing what you were telling them. The money was still leaving you, speaking to you. Someone said, money talks, it always says bye to me. Some people say, okay, at least for you, it talks to you. For me, it weighs from a distance. When it is coming like this, when it's about to reach me, it diverts to the person I, I borrowed from. So, <laughs> you prayed the prayer and suffering was still with you and you're wondering what the X, Y, Z happened. So I want to tell you that approach to faith is flawed and it's not going to get you through life. The other extreme approach is Christ is all suffering. Come to Christ and start your suffering journey like that other bad example. So people look at some safeties. They walk around as if they've washed their faces with lemon juice. Like brother, sister, God is good all the time. And there's nothing in their lives that shows that God is good all the time. So they look at us and like, if that is what it means to follow Jesus, I will postpone it until the last moment when I just can't bear it no more. And then I will say, I'm in Jesus so I can go to heaven. We've done such a bad job of representing Jesus. So we, we, some people's approach to Christianity is all about suffering. There is nothing good in the Lord. Either we are suffering for the Lord, suffer for the Lord, suffer for the Lord, suffer for the Lord. 
That's a flawed approach. It's a very religious approach which makes people think that the more they suffer, the holier they become. And then they look at those who are enjoying life and having a good time, and they think those people must be really far from God because you can't be close to God and have a good time. <laughs> That's a flawed approach because in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures. Pleasures are good things. Evermore, not sometimes. So what approach should we have towards suffering that is appropriate? Here is the truth. Christ is all rejoicing. Christ is what? All rejoicing. Even when suffering comes. We don't go around looking for suffering, piercing our hands and all that crazy stuff. But if it should come, <laughs> you know when they bring you 10,000 shillings worth of suffering and they find that you have 1 million shillings worth of joy. Mm. You bang them balance of 990,000. Oh my goodness. I'm preaching better than you're listening. That's what I'm talking about. In Christ, it's all joy and suffering will come. But when suffering comes, it finds us joyful. Here is how you know that you have embraced the right approach, the biblical approach to suffering. is when in the midst of suffering, you can find joy. Because most people can never put those two words in the same sentence, rejoicing and suffering. But what does Paul say? I now, I now do what? Rejoice in my sufferings for you. Oh, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. If you are not rejoicing and you're pulling your mouth, that kind of suffering is not from God. In fact, suffering doesn't come from God. Suffering comes from the devil, but, and then God can use it redemptively. And how do you know you're walking with God through suffering? You rejoice. You rejoice. You rejoice. That's the middle way. Tr- that's the truth. The truth is, my brother, my sister, as long as you walk this earth, you will run into challenges. Suffering will come. But as long as you walk this earth with Christ, the joy on the inside of you will always be greater than the biggest mountain that the enemy can throw you away. What does James say? James says in James chapter 1, verse 2 to 3, together he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience and then it says that patience have her full work that you may be perfect and entire lacking nothing count it all what joy when you fall into various trials when that when that girl knifes you have you ever been knifed I've ever been knifed. I thought I would die that same night. I had fallen in love with this girl uh, uh, on campus, and you know when in fellowship everyone thinks that two of you are an item. We were the... 
Oh, so I thought asking her out was in what Basoga called Okumalo Luwalo, Okumala Luwalo. It was just, uh, what's that in English? Yeah, like fulfilling all righteousness. Yeah, let me just ask her so that it's official because already we are an item. My friend, Atambra Navy Sobia. First card is the deepest. Baby, I know. <laughs> when they tell you the first cut is the deepest, you'd better believe it. First pray before you ask the babe out. Because I'm telling you, my uncle Chisau, and I walked from MTR, St. Francis area to my hall. I didn't even look left or right at that point to see whether there was any care coming. I didn't know how I got there, but I somehow got there broken, wrecked, cast. <laughs> you don't know, now we can laugh about it. We can laugh about it because later on, after many trials and temptations, I found the most amazing woman called Ari, and we got married. But I can tell you that first cut was quite deep. The first cut was deep. It was deep. And it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, including when you feel like you're bleeding from the left ventricle, and then it's going through the right ventricle, and then the atrium, who knows? The jugular, she went for the jugular. As if But I'm telling you, count it joy when you fall into various trials. I don't know what else you are suffering from. I don't know where it's coming from. But he says, count it all joy. All right. Yeah. John, John, uh, Jesus. Jesus is, is speaking to his disciples in John chapter 16 and says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. And then he says this. It's like a real from Jesus. Red letters. In the world, you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. Like the devil is going to come against you. He's going to try to take your house. He's going to try to take your marriage. He's going to try to take your peace. He's going to try to take your career. People are going to trash talk on you. You'll be accused falsely. Or there will be a virus that locks you in your home for 50 days. Who knew? and the space is small, and you are running into each other, and you're not used to being together that long, that much, and it is reached here, here. But he says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In other words, in the midst of tribulation, be of good cheer. Now you would think that cheer is good. Now by the time you improve cheer and make it good, for you to pick. He's, he says, he says, uh, in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Paul, Paul, the apostle writes and says, for our light affliction. Why am I going through all these examples? To tell you that suffering will come. But life is 20% event and 80% response. Where your marriage is today is based on the 80% response. It's not the 20% what your spouse has been doing. It's the 80% your response. 
Where your financial situation right now is not the 20% what has been happening economically. It's the 80% how you've re been responding. We, we, oh, my goodness. Life is 20% event, 80% response. So the issue is not to prevent stuff from happening. If you're on earth, stuff is going to happen. A border guy is going to ram into your car. How you respond is what determines the next stages. If you get into a fist fight and then you discover he has been going to the gym and you haven't, the damage to you will be greater than repairing the car, including your reputation if you appear in the newspapers. But anyway, for our light affliction, says Paul, he even removes the plural, tajita afflictions. It's our light affliction. Now, this all sounds good until you read about Paul's trials, and we are going to read about them, and you discover what this light affliction is. He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. Oh, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. How? While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the, at the things which are not seen. In other words, you're not focusing on the things. You're focusing on your spirit. You're focusing on who you are, your new identity in Christ, the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. The, even marriage is temporary. Did you know that? Jesus said that in heaven there is no marriage. So if, if, if your problem is your marriage, start rejoicing <laughs> because it's not eternal. Woo! For the next one million years, you're not going to be married to that person. So give, give them their time now. Until death do you part as you swore. Until death do you part. And then you enter eternity being married to only one Jesus who loves forever. And then I'm telling you, perspective is going to determine your victory levels in life. Perspective is what determines your levels of victory, not event. He says, why we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. You're suffering with the children, it's temporary. At 18, they will go to university, they will never come back to your home. From there, they will go on hang with their friends, etc. The things which are seen are temporary. If you can see the money, it's temporary. Someone said that if you can count your money, you still need to work a lot. The things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Eternal. Woo! Woo! The right, I'm talking about the right approach to suffering. And then he says, take me back to, to Colossians. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. For you. What is the cause of this suffering? It's for the sake of the body of Christ. Okay, this suffering is not suffering because of your bad decisions. It's not suffering because, it's not personal suffering. Some of you, you're suffering because you really made some damn decisions. And I thank God because now you've found out those are bad decisions and you can recover from them. That's not what he's talking about. I've had people blame God for their decisions. As if God comes and takes control of your mind and says, okay, turn left, turn right. That's not God. You are not a puppet. You are not a pawn. You are a person. And because you are a person, you have freedom of choice. Okay. So, he says, I rejoice in my sufferings for you. For you. That's what Paul is saying. And fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. For the sake 
of his body, which is the church. It's not personal suffering. It's suffering because of standing for the truth. Suffering because of standing for the truth. Are you still there, online people? Are you still with me? Suffering because of standing for the truth. What do I mean? Sometimes, if, if you want to know that the devil exists, try and live by faith. You know, Andrew Womack said, if you've never run into the devil, it's possible because you are going in the same direction. Anytime you start living by faith and you're countering the enemy, you're going to run into serious challenges. It's just how it works. Try and live by faith in any area of your life and then they'll pile it on. But he says, no, 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 this is not suffering for choice suffering. You just decided to not pay your loan and they took you in and then you start blaming God. God didn't call you to ask you to borrow. God said, do not borrow. God said, you shall be a, 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 a lender, not a borrower. So when you choose to borrow and then you don't pay and they arrest you, you can't start quoting my light affliction, no, my brother. This is for those who are standing for the truth. I hope I'm not, I'm not being too tough today. I remember in 2018, 2018, I reached a point where I had all manner of things going on in my body. I could relate with Paul's warning to the Galatians when he said, let no one trouble me, for I bear the marks of Christ. I was going through stuff. Stuff was happening in my, in my gastric chamber. Okay, I think that's something. Work it out. I, I even had to go to the hospital. They even had to put stuff inside me to find out whether I had cancer. And they found I didn't have anything wrong with me. Stuff was going on inside of me. Stuff was going on on my skin. Things were happening with my voice. My voice speaking was painful, like just saying, hello, hi. That's when I switched off my phone and started only communicating with people by WhatsApp. If you try to call me in that season, you know that I didn't pick your call. Well, things haven't changed much since, but it was because my voice was hurting. Just answering a call saying, hello, whatever, it was painful. Things were not good. I was going through a lot of bodily pains. And here's the interesting thing. They couldn't find any medical issues with it. I had to come to the recognition that all of this was happening because of certain things I was standing up for in this church and things that I insisted had to be a certain way and the fact that not everyone thought that's what it should be. The most difficult thing in, in your work life is the relationships. When you have to part ways with people, when you have to, to, to stand for the mission and say, this is not about me and I have no advantage in it. I will take that disadvantage and advance the mission. That's what Paul was going through. I, I, have, I cannot claim to be anywhere close to Paul's whatever, but I can tell you I've tasted a little bit as long as so I, I was speaking to one of my mentors, Pastor M from Nairobi. I said, man, this thing sucks. What should I do? He says, just come to Nairobi. I will keep you for three months. Forget those Ugandans. <laughs> oh. 
I took up about four to, three to four months where I went to work at 11 o'clock, delegated a lot of stuff, delegated preaching, delegated MCs, everything. And I was just doing the bare minimum for about four months. That I, that's how I started to recover a little bit. So I can understand Paul, and many of you are leaders, missional community leaders, pastors, whatever. Even in your workplace, you're leaders, and you, you relate with what I'm talking about. So there is such a thing as suffering which you've not gone to look for, but in the course of doing what God called you to do, suffering comes. Look at what Paul says here in Second uh, Timothy, Second Timothy 3.10. Wow, this thing has become a whole sermon. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, man of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecution, affliction. This is Paul the Apostle. This is the guy who was stoned to death and he walked up and just walked away. This is the guy who healed the sick, made the lame to walk and see what he's going through. Afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. How many places can you name? What? And then he puts a dash. In other words, CB Totola, CB Tender. As in, if I start telling you all the places where I, I suffered, we will not finish. What persecutions I endured? And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Even you, the Lord will deliver you. Even you, and he says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Yeah, take me to, to 2 Corinthians 11. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors, more abundance. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. Like, how many times can you die? Yeah, Gamba in deaths often, like in the Bagamba Statafa or Nostaya Far. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Stoned there is real stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the witness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Then we jump to verse 32. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas the king was guarding the city of the Damascus with a garrison desiring to arrest me but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. You're not the first one to be a fugitive. Paul was a fugitive for the gospel. He suffered but he tells the Colossians, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. Brethren, this message is to those who may be suffering for one reason or other. You can rejoice. You can rejoice. You can rejoice. Now, like, I need to finish. I need, this is the first finish. Take me to the next verse in Colossians. It says, of which, so he's talking, he talks about the church and says, of the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you 
to fulfill the word of God. This is a heavy, heavy, heavy verse for ministers. And if you are in worship harvest, you are a minister already. You may not know it, but you are. He says, I became a minister. A minister is a servant. He's a servant. The, the meaning of the word pastor comes from the word shepherd. And in Israel, being a shepherd was reserved, was the worst job in the home. It was the worst. So, it, it, and was usually reserved for last bones. That's why David was a shepherd. He was out keeping sheep while his brothers were doing the more important things, including going to war. Like he was out there for so long that even when the prophet came, the most important day of their family history, he was forgotten. Why? He was, he was a shepherd. It's interesting that when, that, that when Jesus is born, the first people who are given the opportunity to see him as shepherds, the worst kind, shepherds. Shepherding was the worst job in the family. That's why Jesus looks at Peter and says, do you love me? And says, I love you. And says, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? I love you. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? And says, do you know all things? Like, it's not a glamorous, pastoring is not a glamorous, forget me, maybe you know, a parking spot for pastor, ah, special chair for pastor, but I'm a pastor, Supposed to be the worst occupation in the church. So this is this Paul says, I became a servant, a minister, according to the stewardship, the plan, the direction from God. And says it which was given to me for you. None of us you see here on this set are here for ourselves. No. This stewardship, this ministry was given to us for you, for you, you who is watching. Like, this is our life. We have nothing. It's not that we can't do other things. We can. Paul writes and says, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Like in Zerafudeda Singa Sibuli Rangiri Kubanga, Eyapita, Tayapa Options. Stewardship from God for you. But the, the real bomb in this verse is the last part to fulfill the word of God. And I'm talking to ministers now. I'm talking to ministers now. Like God has been calling some of you, you're, you're running. You will never find rest in life until you get to do what God has called you to do. In fact, I'm praying that you will not find rest. Restlessness. You respond to God's call on your life. Because this is important. You've tried everything. Cool. Cool ain't cutting it. Why? God has a bigger agenda for your life. To give you a stewardship of his ministry. To fulfill the word of God. Now, this part is very sensitive. To fulfill the word of God. It means, so whatever your name is, B3, Angela, Emma, 
Chris, Lynette, Ari, Talent, Timo, Jason, Eunice. This stewardship that we've received from God of this ministry is to manifest everything that God says about you to become true in your life. So when God says that by his stripes you were healed, we have to do our ministry in a way that makes that a reality, that fulfills that, that you actually experience healing. So when he says that that which God has joined together and let no man put asunder, we live and minister to you in such a way that actually no man puts asunder your marriage. So when, when he says that you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich, we minister in such a way that you actually become rich in Christ through Christ's poverty. This is serious stuff. Do you know how hard it is to be accountable for someone else's decisions? Filter, 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 I know you are watching. Filter wrote this on his wall. <laughs> I, I, I hope I can still get it. I, I, I didn't take it down. He says, you know, being dead, you know, being dead is interesting. When you're dead, you don't know that you're dead. You don't know that you're dead. It's the rest of the people who are suffering. It's the rest of the people who feel the pain and who feel all the effects of the fact that you've died because you don't know that you're dead. You're dead and other people are crying and they are feeling the pain. I say, that's the same thing with being stupid. <laughs> so do you know what it means to be a pastor? And you look at a person you've taught the word for three years and they are self-destructing because of their bad decisions. And you're telling, you're showing them the truth, not only in the Bible, but by, with your own life and say, this is how you need to go through this. And then they decide otherwise and they go down to Jericho and they go down and they ruin their lives and you're watching and you know God gave you ministry he gave you this stewardship so that their lives might turn out well and they turn out they go south with their lives and you're watching and you're bearing that pain that's what Paul talked about that what comes upon me daily that caring for the churches because you're like if it's me it's my life I, I read my Bible, I pray, I can make my own decisions, I save my money, I respect my wife, I, 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 I read, I, I can take care of myself. But now God says, no, no longer, Mose, Mose, it's no longer about you. <laughs> now whatever is happening for you must happen for these 5,000 people. To fulfill, like... How can I be responsible for God's word being fulfilled in Bithri's life? Even when she makes her own idiotic decisions that I'm not a part of. That's ministry. That's ministry. That when your marriage fails, it's not you, only you. I suffer. I, I failed. When you fail to steward your money, I have failed. When you fail to live a holy life, that honors God, I have failed because my stewardship, my ministry 
is to fulfill the word of God. Not in me, in you. Because the, 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 the stewardship is, was given to, 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 from God to me for you, for you. So it's not about fulfilling the word of God in me. I can do that. I've been saved since P5, so I know how to do that. Colossians 4, 3 to 4. This verse, some of our friends from Fanero, if you are watching this, you relate. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mysteries of the mystery of Christ of which for which I am also in chains, this is Paul speaking, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. The mystery of Christ. I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Um, ministry can't just be speaking, speaking, speaking. Ministry is the manifestation of what I'm teaching, not just in my life, but in the lives of those who are hearing me. Oh, oh. Verse 27, Colossians, to them, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. That's the mystery that this Jesus we've been singing about, the one who created the heavens, through whom all things were made, for whom all things were made, by whom all things were made, he came and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, even as the glory of the Father. And not only that, not only did he dwell with us and among us, now he dwells in us. That every person who has confessed Christ, who walks around on this earth, is literally a carrier of the life of God. That's the mystery. Christ in us, the hope of glory. To the saints, God will to make known the, the riches of the glory of the mystery, which is what? Christ in you. If I can convince you, if I can compel you, if I can cajole you, if I can whatever I can do to get you to embrace this truth. That Jesus is no longer some distant historical figure who lived and died and went to heaven. But that Christ Jesus is now incarnated, living in you by his Holy Spirit. That when you walk into that home today, you know Christ has walked into that home. That when you start speaking to your spouse today, you know that Christ is speaking to your spouse. That when you start serving at your workplace, when you go back to work, you know that Christ has walked in. It's no longer an issue of Jesus is those ends, we are these ends. No, 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 no. <laughs> when I show up, Christ has shown up. The hope of glory. That's the mystery. That's the mystery. The hope of glory. Give me Colossians 2, 9 to 10. We are, this is the second finish. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And it says, and you are complete in him. 
who is the head of all principality and power. You lack nothing. You lack nothing. You are complete in him. Why? Because he dwells in you. You can't have Christ and then be looking around for some sort of relationship to make a crutch until you find a boyfriend. No. We, we, we who work with Christ, we don't get into relationships to get stuff. We get into taking stuff. We, we don't get into ministry to survive. No, no, no. Look, all the people in worship service, no one went to Bible school. We are not, we are not career people. We studied other things. We got in to bring something. We don't become friends with people to defraud them and, and take something from them. No. We befriend people to bring something into their lives. We are carriers of the value of heaven in the name of Jesus. That's you. You is watching me. That's the same with you. You are a carrier of heaven. You are complete in him. Complete in him. And look what. The devil has been trying to lie to you these 30-something years to show you that you still lack something. And we are saying, no, 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 no. Christ is enough for you. Head of all prosperity and power. Give me John 1. Give me John 1, 16. He says, and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. Verse 28 of Colossians chapter 1. He says, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Perfect. That's our calling. <laughs> to present you what? Perfect. Perfect. See what he says in Ephesians. Yeah. Woo! Perfect. Perfect. He says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That when they present Timor like this, they just see Jesus in character and competencies. They just see Jesus. That's our work. It's not a work that can be done overnight. That's why we are still around after 14 years. Because the work is ongoing. Some people, the manifestation of Christ takes a few months. Others, it takes a few years. Either way, he will be manifested. Perfect man. To the measure of the fullness. He says, him we preach. We don't preach anything else. We preach who? Christ. We preach Christ. Paul says, for the Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. To the Greeks, foolishness. But those who are called, both the Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Yeah, that we may present every man and woman perfect. Did you know there is such a thing as perfection? And, and that's yours. And we are here to present you perfect. My friends, prepare to come. Present every man perfect, 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 perfect. Yay. Perfect in Christ Jesus. As I finish, this is the last finish. 
verse 29, the very last verse of Colossians chapter 1. Thanks for staying, sticking with me since the beginning of Colossians chapter 1. Says to this end, I also labor, striving according to the working which works in me mightily. To this end, I what? I labor. Ministry is not a walk in the park. I think today I'm, I'm talking more to ministers than other people. The people who are listening to me, God called you and you quit. And he's calling you again, back. It's not as just a thing of sailing through. No, that says to this end, I also labor. There is labor. And it says striving. But not striving according to our own power, no. According to his working, which works in me mightily. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. This same Paul writes to a gentleman called Archippus in verse 17 of chapter 4 and say to Archippus and say to B3 and say to Angela and say to Timor and say to JK and say to whatever your name is, say to Filter and say to Chris and say to Lynette and say to Ari and say to Roxana and say to Paul, say to Florence, say to Solomon, and say to Sam, and say to you who's watching me, you Mishana community leader, you garage host, you elder in the church, say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it because there are chances of not fulfilling it. Yeah. What will fail you to fulfill it? The sufferings. You just reach a point and say, I've had enough, I'm out of here. And he says, stick with it. They will abuse you. They will call you all sorts of things. They will falsely accuse you. They will think that you depend on the ministry for your survival. They will, but stick with it. That you may fulfill it. I can hear the sound of a new generation. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.